Well, guys, uh, this morning we have a good friend of mine. He is the founder and director of the Grand Rapids Dream Center. It's a ministry in the inner city of Grand Rapids that's been operating and ministering to families and to people in the inner city of Grand Rapids for a little over five years. But uh, it's all about, it's called the Dream Center because every one of us, every person has a dream and destiny in God. But what we find is the inner city, it, it gets buried, uh, I guess, more easily in a sense. And, you know, when you're digging for the gold, you have to dig through some dirt sometimes. But uh, it's a ministry that brings hope to an inner city community to encourage them, to challenge them, and to really find their dream that God has for them. So would you please give a warm welcome to Greg Mulchon. All righty. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's a, great to be back. It, it's like a family reunion. It's like I, I'm tore away from the table and can't eat because I'm just talking to so many people and getting caught up. That, that's a blessing, guys. I, I really appreciate so many men and relationships in here. And, and to add to what uh, Pastor Tom was, was saying, yeah, the Dream Center, you know, uh, our mission is just so simple. Sometimes people don't get it. First, people ask, where is the Dream Center? And we're actually explicitly a movement. And what that has enabled us to do is actually create teams in multiple communities rather than just one site with one center. Um, but plug here, we, we do need uh, a headquarters sometime. And so anybody who has uh, connections, we cannot just find, we can't find a headquarters. But our mission is this. It is we want to build trusted relationships through weekly consistency and authenticity inside the communities of our city. And so you earn trust in a relationship when you're present and engaged in the relationship, right? That's so simple. And, and our mission is for those who are called to be engaged in these relationships inside the city of Grand Rapids. Um, but, but yet God is still extending what we're doing beyond. Um, it's, it's been a beautiful impact. There's, there's many, many different things that have happened because of the movement of the Dream Center. And um, we're just, we're excited. And so um, I'm excited to talk about really a lot of how some of it relates and, and hopefully paint this picture. But um, the other thing I want to say about the city is this too. We have an amazing city. Um, I don't know how much of you have gotten experience different parts of our city, but we have an amazing city. And the Dream Center isn't the only a group with our hands to the plow. There are many amazing groups doing an amazing work. There are many amazing residents and, and folks and people that live within the communities. We, we have a combination of both. We have a universal platform that allows leadership for, for leaders in the community, but also people who are called that might not be inside of a community. And there are many beautiful leaders in our city, and I really want to say that, but the other side of that is there is a ton of need. Don't be lured to being asleep, believing that we're West, West Michigan, kumbaya, we're good. And, you know, and the, the Bible says go out into all the world and, and we're just going to go everywhere else. There's, there's a ton of need in our city. With all the good, there's tons of need. There's, there, there is messiness. And I know God is calling people to the plow. And not all of us can go overseas to do the missionary work, right? 
but many of us can enlist on the work and the need that's right here in Grand Rapids and West Michigan. Um, you know, and that, that really leads me to really the heartbeat of men. Oh, you got to love facial recognition, right, guys? <laughs> Didn't recognize me because the hair's thinning out up top. I was having a conversation with somebody about that. Okay, for the record here, I am 40, okay? Somebody was like, how old are you now, man? I'm like, well, I'm getting up there, man. Yeah, 40 now. But, you know, <laughs> 40 years young, right? I still got my edge, although, man, I tweaked my groin yesterday in the gym. I'm like, oh, man, and now that's going to be two weeks now, man. <laughs> but uh, with the Dream Center, what I want to say about the city, there is a special place in our heart and in God's heart for the men. And it's more than just coming into a men's group and, and beating the drum and getting a bunch of men excited. It's really authentic in who we are. And, and I'm excited to tell you, why we feel that way and really break that down and really break down to how it relates to manhood in general. And as I was putting this together and thinking about it, praying about it, meditating about it, what really came to mind was um, really the, the inner workings of, of, of what manhood is, the anatomy of what manhood is. And that's kind of what I titled the word that God gave me today. And I'm excited just to, to share and get into manhood. Uh, I want to talk about what it looks like even for me in my house because, you know, God calls us to shepherd our house and to go out into all the world. Not one or the other, both. And the thing for me now, having two young boys and, and one really transitioning into manhood, um, for them to get a piece of manhood, they've got to see that, that there's a bigger world than just our family. And we, we got to close the loop on what that means to be a man and what it means to be a disciple. There's, there's an incomplete piece of discipleship if he doesn't see the love being exported outside of our family. And so um, it's been an exciting year because he's, he's with me today. Um, actually, uh, maybe right off the top, I'll, I want to introduce my son. And then another special guest who, in a way, is starting to feel... Uh, maybe kind of a bit like a spiritual son in some ways, but Noah, why don't you stand up and just wave and say hi to everybody. That's my son, Noah, right there. And then Philemon, would you, would you stand up and just wave at everybody? Awesome. They're representing. They got the same shirt on. We'll tell you more about that. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. Um, this has been a big year. You know, I felt God release me in a vision with my son. Um, the, the greatest thing a man and a father can do is affirm identity inside their children. And um, my greatest fear, though, as a man, nobody ever, did that, nobody ever did that for me growing up in my house, but God brought other spiritual men. Um, although the process that we did this summer, I didn't get to experience that process, but God had really provided a vision. And that vision was really, uh, for lack of better terms, a passage. And without getting to all those dynamics... It was like my son, 14 years old, we were released, like going into high school. It's like we want to take another step in his identity. And with, with the passage ceremony, what we were doing was we were bringing other men, significant men in his life. And we, we were really having a process and a time together to instill manhood inside of him. And what we did was we read a letter of what we felt from our perspective, manhood was godly manhood, right? From the biblical view. And we presented him a gift to represent that. 
And uh, we had an awesome ceremony. Um, if you want to put that first picture up top. So we got a picture of like his bed. Now, I got him the sword. I told the guy, it's a sword. I, I'm doing a sword. <laughs> and, uh, you know, another person got the be brave. And then somebody else, a real creative friend who's actually done side jobs for, an app, uh, for Apple, him and his family did the Proverbs 16, 1 and 9 in Legos. Creative guy, right? <laughs> Drove all the way to Chicago to get the pieces, and I guess it took him like four hours. It's crazy. But all this meaning into him, you know. Um, and the other thing that was pressing on my heart was we've had this process and evolution, too, um, with the Dream Center. You know, we, we've, God has like allowed us to build almost like a, a, call a men's universe and, or a tree. And what happens with the tree? You got roots, you got, you got the core, and then you've got just a bunch of, of branches, right? And it's like we're, we've got this tree with branches and what we've called it is world changers, right? Represent right here. <laughs> and, but what's happened is it's really been a process of all these different impacts that's allowed us to get to know men and start to, to really shepherd men and invest into men into the next level. And one of the things we rolled out this summer because God was, we didn't even see it coming, but our world changers next generation where we're really investing into the youth. And what was uh, amazing was uh, I, I got to have Noah in there right alongside of me. And uh, it was funny because you know moms, right? This men's discussion today, not, not moms or women's. But she's like, ah, I don't know. You know, that's a lot of commitment for the summer. You know, moms want nurture to nurture our little babies. But he stepped up and said, no, mom, I got this. And he committed. You know, it's a, it's a full-on thing. Our, our Summer World Changers program, it's intense. We ask a lot out of the guys. And not every guy finishes the process. But uh, if you roll the next slides, we'll show a couple photos of, of, of what that looks like. There's Philemon and Noah this summer. Uh, we were actually delivering beds. And did we, maybe it was a washer or dryer at that site, uh, at that house. Uh, why don't you roll the next one? Um, there's another picture of a young man that we've got influence with. Uh, that's Brian. And how about the next one? And there's, a, there's uh, you can see the cast kind of right in the background. Really, really good stuff, you know. And what's happening is it, it, it's men investing into men. You can probably take the photo down now if you want. It's just been this amazing process, but it's got to happen. It, it, it's got to be that way. And, and for us, getting into the anatomy, uh, the anatomy of manhood, breaking down, why are we doing this? Why is there a tree with branches? Why is, is uh, manhood so important? It, it's so critical to really the fabric of how God has made things. And so... Um, you know, there's something God has bestowed upon men. And, and for the Dream Center and for, for us, so we're talking about all the need in our city, right? We, we've hit on that this morning. And with that, the messiness and where there's breakdown, it really roots down to like some core things. It, it gets down to a level really where you could call it poverty, and we're all, we're all acquainted a little bit with poverty in here, right, guys? We've seen it. Maybe some of you have grown up in it or experienced it. I, I grew up in working-class poverty. But that's where everything breaks down, if you didn't know. Because when you're going without, 
when you don't have enough, and then there's like, and, and you get into a survival mentality, and it's dog eat dog, that's where there's the most sin and any kind of behavior, striving, strife, you name it, that's where it breaks down at. But it, it breaks down to a root and a core issue. And does anybody have a brilliant guess what it can really root to? Any, anybody? Men. Men. Because when a family structure is really broken down, when you don't have a man being the man he's supposed to be inside of his home, the family structure breaks down, and when it breaks down in a community, it becomes an epidemic. And, and for me, I'm just excited to talk about this process of, of why manhood is so important, why our roles are so, so important, what God says about it, and, and, and how can we hopefully function in a greater level and raise up men to carry the mantle and the responsibility we have. So, so for the Dream Center, it's like we need to redeem men because if we can start turning the tide with the generation of men where, where these dark pockets are in our city, guess what? We're going to redeem those communities. And that, that, that's fact. That's fact. And we're going to find out why. You know, um, God's heart for, for men and even, even covenant. So, so here's kind of where I want to take you. This is very basic. You're probably going to think, how, how's Greg going here right now? This is Ephesians 5.25. I'm just going to go one scripture because we could really get into the whole passage. But I'm, for time, we're going to get into one scripture. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So the other part of that passage I didn't read is what? Wives submit to the husbands, right? Usually guys are like down with that. But it's so much more than that, right? I think in any, even any leadership structure, if you understand leadership, positional authority is the weakest kind of authority in any kind of structure, any team. And, it, and any guy who's trying to lead out of that in, in their family or with their wives, you ain't going to be close to that girl. It ain't going to work. But, but God has expressed something greater inside of here for men and he's bestowed upon us a responsibility. You know, our role really is the high responsibility carrier, right? So what does that mean? Well, that means if the whole thing goes south, guess who's accountable? Not my Noah. Not my Leah. God's going to be talking to me. And that's, that, that's a high responsibility. That's a, that's a high influence for us guys, right? But guess what? If we can connect, though, with the role and, and, and the identity of what God's given us to do, guess what? We can be the greatest treasure and blessing that our family has ever seen and our community. And that's what God wants, right? And I know there's a lot of men in here that are living inside of that and going to new levels in that. Um, within that whole heart for, for God, you know, let's talk about a little bit what that means inside of that role. So Christ, right, is the picture. And, and inside the passage, Paul is relating, you know, things to the church and to Christ. And, and, and one of the things that, that Paul says is, as Christ has laid down his life for the church. In the picture, when you study Christ, and he's the high example of manhood, 
he's laying himself down, right? Here's another thing that's so amazing about Christ and who he is. He comes, and remember, he's God, right? He's got the divine nature. And then what's he do? He takes on human nature, and he comes down to earth, right? And you got to, first of all, recognize the fact that he comes from this heavenly position with all these benefits and all this awesome things, and then he enters sinful humanity. And he doesn't come as a king in this palace imposing his positional authority as God. No, he's another kind of king. He's a humble, humble king. He comes in a major and then comes in the vulnerability as a baby, right, to take on human process. He didn't have to do that. It could have been just like, come, recognize, yeah, bow down. <laughs> but did he do that? No. No, he didn't do that. And then he says words like this, I didn't come to be, but I came to serve. A servant leader culture, and really, we, why do we call it a servant leader culture? It's actually the best leadership is servant leadership. It's not like a different kind of leadership. It is leadership. The best teams thrive off servant leadership. And you know what? I, I, I know God came onto the scene because he's like, I'm going to personally show everybody what this looks like, and I'm going to love people. He laid his life down. Now, I have to admit, I can be a selfish guy just like anybody. Um, ask my wife. But it's been a process as I grow closer to God. It's been learning how to serve my family and love them well. And, and here's the other thing that happens when we see this in our role and who we are. You know, the, the big thing that we have to do as men is we got to make ourselves vulnerable inside of this. We got to take the risk of being vulnerable, of exposing ourselves, right? of being transparent with our family members and, 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 and our loved ones in this, this servant leadership culture. And you know what? As men, a lot of us don't like to do that. Why? Because it's risky. Because it's like taking your armor off and exposing yourself to somebody just, bow, stab you or punch you or whatever. But true relationship doesn't happen without this kind of humility, without this kind of exposure. And I got to tell you, when a man models this and he lives this out, guess what happens with the whole family? You get a whole culture of it, of people loving one another. And yeah, everybody's still got to work out their humanity. Don't think it's just perfect, fellas. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. But you get a culture where that becomes the second nature. You know, I, I remember early on in my marriage, um, with my wife, I was the guy who always said I was sorry bringing uh, reconciliation because she never saw that growing up, so it was very difficult for her. Well, guess what? She's the one outdoing me now in that. I'm the one being like, oh, I ain't saying I'm sorry. And she'll be the one chasing me around like it's, it's been uh, reciprocated back because of those early investments. It creates a culture and... and, and this happens in the family unit, but this happens when men do this at every level, every kind of team, inside the community. This is God's heart for manhood. So now, real quick, I want you to imagine, imagine a culture and a community that's completely vanquished of that. And where men, all they do is they come and go, or they're like overgrown boys, and all they do is try to take the benefits and be the king and pose positional authority. They're not there for nobody. 
brokenness, sin. And guess what everybody else does in the culture? Oh, that's how he is? Uh, oh, man, well, I'm going to get mine. I'm, <laughs> yep. And that's what poverty becomes. And in some of the darkest areas, and you find this in any city across the world, that's what's happening. you got to break down a men. And we, we, we're thoroughly convinced that if we can turn the tide with who men are and who they're supposed to be, if we'll selflessly serve, we'll redeem that family. We'll redeem that community. Because what we see is we see a lot of women, and guess what happens? They're on their own. And then you see women get hope. And, and, and so what, what, what will they do? Well, they'll yield the benefit of sex, right? Hoping that the guy, oh, oh, he loves me. I think he's going to step up. He's going to take care of me. So I'll give it up to him and then maybe get pregnant with, with his baby. And guess what happens? He's gone. And then you get a culture where it runs rampant. You've got moms who've got multiple babies with different men and fallen hope. And now try to put yourself in a position of a mother that's got three to six babies on your own. You can't rely on any man. Try to imagine that. You think, you think she's desperate? She's desperate. And then she's got that mother nurturing thing in her. She's, she's going to do whatever she can to take care of her babies. That's not God's heart, is it? God's called men to step up and, and to be who we are. And so for us, like the mission couldn't be more important. So I want to read this scripture, Malachi 4.6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Of course, that was a very, uh, it's a very popular scripture at the end of the Old Testament before God went quiet 400 years on Israel. And there, there's, there's prophetic implication there, um, even today. But that's what God wants to do inside of men. He wants men to turn their hearts back towards who we're supposed to be and how we lay our lives down for our people. Does he not, men? Amen? And so, a couple of things. How do we get here? Well, one, men teach men. And it, that, that's another responsibility that, that we've got to learn to embrace. What does that look like and, and how can we do that? I believe God's given us a high opportunity, each one of us in our households. And if we'll be engaged, we can get this done. The, my greatest fear was with my son was that I was going to actually let the moment pass me by and I couldn't get it back. And, and maybe some of us have... have are in that role, no condemnation. Because you know what? God is always so gracious to provide. So this isn't supposed to be a condemnation about what we might have missed. We've all missed something, right? God's a redeemer. God's a redeemer. And, and so we have an opportunity in our homes, but we also have an opportunity with the other side of what God wants. He wants us to put our, ten our attention inside of our houses the best we can with wherever we're at in life, even if we're just getting started, and also go out into all the world and make disciples. He, he wants us to step up and, and do the discipleship work. So a couple thoughts on this, and we're going to bring it home. Wow, right on time, I think. Um, the, the place I want to go to is this, Matthew 28, 19. And of course, another very famous scripture. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, I've already mentioned going out into all the world, but, but what does this look like? I think the more deeper I get into some of the ministry work, one of the biggest challenges I feel like as a leader that, that we face is trying to get men or people in general to engage in this discipleship work at a believer level or at an individual level. Because, you know, here's what happens is um, we can become a part of a great church. Um, many of us represent lots of great churches, but we can get into this role where it's like, well, the church has got that. The org has got that. So I'm doing my job, but really we're over here and we're disengaged. And if you look at what Jesus came to do when he came, he did not actually come to die to redeem the temple system, did he? In some ways, it actually looked like that's where he was the hardest. That was where he had some of the, the hardest words. He came to really reconcile man individually unto a relationship with God. But you know what? With his heart, though, God did have an intention for the temple. If the system ran the way it was supposed to, what, what should it do? It should amplify the work of God. That's what I love about good churches. A great church will amplify the system. If a church is about discipleship and doing the job, guess what, man? Guess what we can do? We can engage. We can engage and we can start to find out what is our role? What does it look like for us to get into the discipleship process? And so here's part of my challenge today, and um, I'm just so on fire about this. It's pray and seek out. Let's look at where we're at as men uh, in our families. And I, I love it. We got men in, in all different stages here. We've got men who are maybe grandfathers. Now, where's my grandpa's in the house? All right, shout out, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and then uh, fathers, that's, that's me. I shouldn't have put my hand up for grandfathers, I guess. All right, dads, come on, whoop, whoop. And well, I guess, I don't know, no dads? <laughs> my Noah and Philemon? <laughs> You're all good. You're on your way. <laughs> um, let's ask God, what does it look like inside of our own families to help have a part in manhood? And of course, as a grandfather, maybe we're, we're collaborating, right? We're coming alongside of our kids or how, how will God allow us to wield our influence, right? We got to respect our sons or whatever and, and how they're raising their children, but how can we have a role? How can we help ignite this process? And if we still have kids in our house, what does that look like for us to instill this identity? Um, how can we affirm that? And of course, the other part of that is first and foremost, right? Living it out the best we can, right? First, being a model. And then how do we teach it? Second challenge is this. It's not one or the other. Oh, I'm, I, I only disciple my family and then that's it. It's, it's both. It's disciple our family and go out into all the world. God's called us to invest and to make disciples at a bigger level, to export love outside of our family. What does that look like? How do I engage in that process? Um, and so um, because I'm low on time, next week we'll have some questions for you guys to ponder, to examine yourself with it. 
Tom, I really didn't tell you this. I've got some ideas for process, but I don't have time to get into those today. It wouldn't be fair for me to, to talk about three of the seven things I got. Um, maybe I can even provide a sheet for next week. But man, can I just pray for this anointing and this picture? Um, and remember, the only thing God asks of us is, is for a step. For a step. You know, in the faith journey, sometimes what we do is we, we see the, that whole huge picture. You've heard the old saying, how do you eat a, cow, a big cow? One bite at a time. God just asks us for a step at a time. We take that meaningful step, and guess what? We, we get our, our footings under us, and then God will do what? Ask us to take a, another step. What I love about this room, though, is I know for a fact there's a lot of mover and shaker men in here that are really stepping out. And maybe for some of you, this call is just God's just trying to, he's pushing you to the next level like he's challenging, challenging me. Let's get to that next level, man. Will you bow your heads with me? Well, heads bowed and eyes closed. Um, while you're listening and, and, and just take a, a moment to be quiet, examine your heart. Um, I always feel like, in particular in this setting, it wouldn't be right of me to at least not first and foremost mention, if you're here today, I know there's a lot of awesome, committed disciples of God in here, but there might be somebody in here, you don't know where you stand with God right now. Or you just literally know you're not right with God. And you need to get right with Him. And so, just a moment, I would like to just give you the opportunity to connect or reconnect with God. And what you're doing with that, of course, all you men and believers, you know how this works, but it's total surrender to Christ, our King. It's receiving the forgiveness that he died to give us, and in other terms, it's called an atonement. He made an atonement to take away our wrongs so we can have right relationship with God. We can go to God in confidence because of what Christ did. It's the greatest free gift of love. When we didn't deserve it, he gave it to us. And if you know you're not right, you haven't given your whole heart to that love. You know you need to give everything to God and start living for him. If that's you right now, you're, you're coming back to God, or maybe it's a first-time, real authentic decision would you lift up your hand right now? Put it up in the air really, really high if there's anybody in here who knows you're, you're, you need to get right with God, you need to come back, or it's a first-time decision. Is there anybody in here? Praise God. It looks like uh, everybody's doing good. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me, let me pray over this anointing for us as men. Lord Jesus Christ, God, I thank you for the men in here, and I thank you, Lord God, Every man is a mover and shaker in here, Lord God. Every man's got a call, Lord God. I thank you for, Father God, the fulfillment of walking in a powerful God-given call. Whatever level that is, Lord God, nothing feels better than to be who you made us to be. I thank you, Lord God, for the gift of our masculinity and being men, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, you give us this tremendous opportunity to love and serve our family and our communities and our churches, Lord God, and our city. God, I thank you, Lord God, for men, Lord God, that would have a heart to, that would continue, Lord God, to raise up men. I thank you, God, for wherever each and every man is here today, Lord God, that we would examine ourselves and we would go, how can we go to the next level, Lord God? How can we continue, Lord God, to invest manhood into the men that you've called us to invest into? 
Father God, I pray for a release of the anointing, Lord, at a greater level because the anointing is here. Thank you for that, Lord God. And I pray, Father God, there would be passion and fire, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, the redemption it will bring, Lord God, to our communities and to the communities of our city. And I pray this today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen.